Good morning, everyone. This is Stephen Kwong here, along with Natalie and Jess. Today we have a very special guest, Nick Salinas. In particular, there's been a lot of stuff in the news about Afghanistan and military operations. So we think that it's timely to bring in an expert in the field and have him give some insights into what's actually happening on the grounds overseas, but more importantly, how that relates to the unlikely journey for both Nick and also other entrepreneurs that might draw inspiration from Nick's experiences. So without further ado, Natalie, could you give us a great intro? Yeah, for sure. So I'm so excited to introduce a dear friend, uh, Major Nick Salinas, who has certainly had an unlikely journey. Um, and in some ways, and we can talk about this later, but we've he and I have cultivated an, an unlikely uh, but endearing friendship. Um, Nick is an officer in the U.S. Army, having served as a special ops commander and has done several tours, including in the Middle East. Um, after a simultaneous stint at Amazon, Nick has ventured into the entrepreneurial world um, in both construction and, um, and health and wellness industries. So Nick, welcome to the show. Wow, Natalie, Steve, Jess, thanks for having me. Um, would hardly call myself an expert in all this. It's just the kind of the life I've been living for the past 20 years. And uh, no, I just really appreciate it. And, and I, lo I love the name of your podcast because that's actually what what was the catalyst for me to to do some reflection of my own, which I haven't done in a very long time. So going back 20 years where my journey, I would say, actually began has been um, uh, beneficial for me. And I think it's actually very healthy to do that. I just haven't been doing that over the years just because you're constantly moving forward and more more things are getting put on on your plate, as I'm sure everybody can attest to. Uh, but this was good to be able to look back and, and it's it's almost um, it's it's weird how it's all coming together because about 20 years ago is about where where Afghanistan kicked off where wow. we had 9/11 in 2001 and and uh, eight months later I graduated high school and that's I'd say that's where my journey journey began. Wow! Oh my gosh! So tell us about that. Um. Well, I mean, uh, I graduated high school in 2002, so following right, following 9/11. Uh, prior to that, I had already been accepted to West Point, and and we can rewind a little bit before that. Even you know, since I was a kid, probably four years old, I knew I was going to join the military. Um, didn't know what capacity. I mean, I was probably going to be infantry. Uh, every boy my age wanted to to fantasize about being that GI Joe, a Green Beret, or whatever. But you know, I just that that never really popped into my mind. I just knew I wanted to serve. My whole family had been in the military. Um, so I, uh, I figured that's what I was going to do. And so we, uh, about two, uh, around 2000 is when I got a, a, a little postcard in the mail for West Point and I kind of threw it away, but I luckily, uh, to this day, luckily I had a, a mentor at school, uh, one, one of the instructors I had, one of the teachers and, and he was just like, look, just, just try why, you know, you know, I kind of wrote myself off. I wasn't smart enough wasn't going to be able to get in, not competitive enough. And he said, look, just try. We'll put a packet in and, and see where that goes. And um, and looking back now, it's it, you see how influential people can be, even when you're young and feel like you know everything, which is kind of funny because when you're the youngest and you know the least, you you somehow know everything. And uh, and but but 
there, there's still some influences that can break through the, the thick skulls, especially mine. Um, so we, 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 we applied. Uh, my mom helped me out. Uh, and I uh, got a letter back and said, hey, you've been you've been accepted under the condition that uh, we're going to we think you're we think you're ready for it. We think you're uh, you're the material, but we just want you to spend an extra year at the prep school, uh, the United States Military Academy Preparatory School, which was in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. And that's kind of a blow, you know, especially for someone that, you know, I'm, I'm you know, relatively successful as a, as a young adult, you know, whether it's in athletics or, or school. And to be told that you're just not smart enough to go straight into West Point was was kind of a kick. But mm. um, looking back, it was it was a blessing in disguise. Uh, it was one of, one of the best years of my life, and coincidentally, that is where I met your your husband, <laughs> Natalie. So, and then from there is where our our uh, friendship cultivated. So that's uh, that's kind of that takes you up to at least me leaving high school. <laughs> Nick, typically, you know, for those that aren't as familiar with the progression from one stage of your military engagement to, to another, tell us a bit about West Point and what typically happens when folks graduate from West Point. What are the opportunities and, you know, what, what path did you take at that point? Yeah, no, um, I guess the appeal to me was that it was it, its pure focus is to develop leaders of character. That's everything you do, whether you're in a physics class um, or you're on, a, you know, an athletic field, everything is about developing leaders and leaders of character. So what that ends up developing is a person that, that the United States Army says, I got my stamp of approval. This person graduates, they will be commissioned as a second lieutenant and they will be leading, leading, you know, our army forces within months of graduating uh, West Point. So we were still, uh, I graduated in 2007, so that ended up being another ramp up in, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. So we all knew, there was, there was, there was no question in mind. We, we went in as one of the classes of 9-11, and we knew coming out, that's exactly what we were going to go do. Um, so there was, there was never ever a question of what, you know, you know what am I going to do when I, when I leave? You know, what company am I going to go work for? Well, you're going to go work for the United States military, and uh, you're going you're gonna to go overseas most likely. But in what capacity, meaning what, what kind of specialty, that, that was kind of, uh, that's, that's something that's based off of uh, an order, uh, order of merit list, basically. So if you're the smartest guy in the class, smartest woman in the class, you get your first pick at whatever specialty you want, and you get your first pick at wherever you want to be stationed. So it, it, so it pays to, to work hard. So Nick, question for you. So um, in terms of like picking a specialty, like just again, like break it down for those of us that like, I mean, I grew up right by West Point. So it's so fascinating to hear your story. Like, oh. <laughs> we would actually drive up there and like, you know, like, like, they, you know, like they would do like the holidays and the cannons and like, I played soccer. So like, we would do some, you know, we do some tournaments up in West Point, but like, it was always just this kind of like, mysterious um <laughs> this is mysterious campus that you know you kind of knew like the best of the best went there so when you talk about um you know graduating and, and having your first pick and you know your own specialty and in terms of area like how how much control do you have like how do, what does that look like and what are the specializations that you guys get to pick oh wow i mean uh I mean, like you said, there, there is this like mystique to that place and it's a beautiful campus and it's extremely depressing during the winter just because everything is gray, but it, it, it still has its beauty even during the wintertime. Um, but in terms of like, you know, how much, how much say do you have in your path 
um, to, to commissioning. And I'd say there, there actually is a lot. Um, so if you're, if, if, if you try really hard and you're, you're getting all the additional instruction that you need to, to, to pass your classes. And the other thing to that is that it's so humbling going there because everyone is, is top of their class, wherever they're coming from, you know, there's other, we've got students from other countries. We've got students from, I mean, every single state of America that are all top of their class. They're all valedictorians. Um, they're all, you know, uh, team captains in their athletic departments. They're, they're, they're the best of the best where they came from. And then you get thrown together with everyone and you, you, you quickly realize that, you know, there are some brilliant and, and very athletic or very physically fit um, peers out there. And so it's, it's humbling in that aspect. And, and at the same time, it's, it's just uh, it's it's an, it's a way to kind of respect what that institution does. So I was I was still kind of I I was top of my class in high school, but going there, I was very middle uh, <laughs> in the middle uh, at, at West Point. There's there's very much some, some smarter people ahead of me, uh, including you know, some of my closest friends. Um, but, uh, you know, th those at the top get to pick whatever they want. And I still was able to get what, you know, what I what for the most part, what I what I thought I wanted, but, um, that ended up molding my decisions down the road into what I end up picking as my career. Nick, jumping forward into your career, I believe you were in special ops. You were part of the green berets. Is that, is that correct? I am. I'm, I'm actually still, uh, a uniform service member uh, right now. So once we got kind of, I guess at some point we're going to get into Afghanistan. That's kind of the elephant in the room right now. Um, there's only so much I'll probably end up talking about it just because of my position, but I can give you some kind of like insights on, on what we've seen over the last 20 years and, and, you know, wish I could tell you what's going to happen going forward, but I can't, but, uh, yeah, no, I've been, uh, I've been a, a green beret since 2012. I started the process in 2009. And so from 2009 to 2012 is how long it took me to, to earn my green beret. For those of us that aren't as familiar, give us some insight. What is a Green Beret? What do y'all do? And uh, what is expected of you guys on the battlefield? So Green Berets are the Army-specific Special Operations Forces. And we have got a couple other. We've got, you know, you've got your, your Rangers. You've got um, your 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. So we've got some different Special Operations units in, in the United States Army. But our um, Green Berets are specific to Army. And you'll... you'll you're here get thrown around all the time. We're like, Oh, the special forces went in and did this. Well, it was seals. Um, it, it's only, you know, that only describes one particular unit. Now, when we're talking special operations forces, that is pretty much like the umbrella term for all services. So army, Navy, uh, Marines, air force, those are all, all of those, um, branches have special operations. I think we hear Navy SEALs getting thrown out there a lot because so many movies are creating their context around the SEALs. Tell us a bit about the Green Berets. What do you guys specialize in? Uh, ours is irregular warfare. Um, so we like to, one of our mottos is we're, we're the quiet professionals. So that's probably why you won't hear much about what, what we do. Um, but we, we're, at the end of the day, we're, we're force multipliers. We, we're, we're a very small team that uh, can go anywhere in the world, oftentimes with little or no oversight or, or direct support. And we, we work with indigenous personnel and, um, and we, we train with them. We build relationships. Um, these, th these leaders of the teams are, are seen as soldier diplomats because they're oftentimes I've been in a country or an area where I'm the senior 
you know, military personnel on ground dealing with, you know, colonels of another country. And, and I don't want to say dealing with them, like I'm work, working, you know, side by side with them, developing partnerships. Um, so there, there's a lot of trust that goes into these individuals when they go overseas and not just in combat operations, but, you know, left of combat, which is training and, and developing relationships. And that's why a lot of, lot of training and selection goes into these, these individuals. Well, well, a lot of the other special operations in the, in the other branches kind of mirror that a little bit. Um, I'll speak specifically for special forces. Nick, thanks for the clarification on that. That was really brilliant how you just broke that down. I think for many of us, when we think about special ops, we think they're all part of the same group. But it sounds like to me, depending on the division of the military that they're from, there are various special ops. And it sounds like the Green Beret, you guys are, just as you explained it, the quiet professionals. So tell us a bit about context. When you guys uh, were deployed to the Middle East, can you tell us maybe like in general, without going into too much detail, uh, what were your specific objectives and how were you guys able to meet those objectives? Uh, there's, I mean, there's uh, hundreds of different objectives we can do just, just based off of our, our mission sets. But at least for, for my experiences, it has been working. It's, it's been um, by, with, and through, um, you know, your partner force, that host nation force. If you, if you as a soldier are doing all the work, uh, you're, you're not doing your job. Um, so you've got to be able to train, equip, um, and employ these host nation forces to be able to to hold down um, the objectives of, you know, na- na- national objectives in that country. And that's kind of what we do. And, and even when, when it's not combat, that's what we're doing is, is we're, we're constantly working with, with partner forces all, all over the, all over the world. And, and then sometimes um, as, as we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan, a lot, sometimes they're, they're very much uh, non-trained forces or non-military type forces. They could just be, you know, the guys that, that the, the first Green Berets in Afghanistan linked up with, which were just farmers. They were villagers. They were people that they, they linked up with and trained and, and went into battle with them uh, against the Taliban. And then over time, you can develop a, a true standing military in those in those areas. But most of the time, these countries already have a standing military, and that's that's who we work with. And if and if we're doing our job right, you know, it, 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 in the long run, it'll prevent conflict. I, I, I'm just so curious. So, like, like given all the preparation, right? Like, what for you was like the most surprising? Like, you know, like you know like going to this elite school and then like boots on the ground, like going into all these different incredibly challenging high stakes environment. Like for you, like what was the most surprising moving, you know, out of the academia side and, and training side into like real world scenarios? Um, I guess just that <laughs> nothing was really surprising. It was more of just you, you quickly learn how much you don't know. Um, and that, and that, you know, it just takes time and experience and, and not to be afraid to, to take on these experiences is kind of where, where I learn. And the, the more experiences you have, the more you're going to be able to, to react better. You're going to have special type of, you know, you're going to have information that you didn't have before that'll feed into a decision that you make down the road. Um, and I guess for, for me, I, I was just always so excited to do this. I felt I was born to do this. So Anytime I was called up or, or got the notification that I was deploying or I'd be doing a certain type of mission or anything, I was always just, I was almost like ignorance is bliss. I just never even thought of 
that there was an, another option to it. I just would say, okay, sign me up, let's go. Um, and I think that's also just, I was young and, and, and eager to get out there to, to do the job that I was, you know, being trained to do at, at West Point for, for, you know, four to five years. And, um, and, and that's kind of why I've like blinked my eyes and it's been 20 years and, and Natalie's and you guys come to me and say, Hey, you know what, what's, what's your journey look like? And that's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very surprising that that's, I mean, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm not special. I know a lot of people that I work with that are, that are much more impressive than I am, but I appreciate, you know, me having to look back and, and seeing that. So that's actually a really good question, Jess. I appreciate that. Yeah. Nick, can you tell us about your first deployment and like what, you know, what was the most challenging thing about it? Um, and, and maybe like, what did you learn either in that first deployment or, or over time? Um, the first deployment would have been me as a platoon leader uh, to to Baghdad, Iraq. Uh, we were we were all over that area for for a while. Um, I guess the challenges were were becoming more of a subject matter expert in that area than I was. You know, you just kind of you kind of think that you show up and everyone just feeds you the information, or or um, you're gonna you know someone's gonna tell you exactly what to do, and it wasn't always like that. And that's kind of I guess that's that that taste or flavor of of having to be a self-starter is, is, is what ended up making me branch off to special operations, special forces. Um, but but, you know, you're, you're having to do the due diligence of, of doing your own research in in the area that you're in and learning the people that you're, you're working with and not just being that ugly American that comes in and says, oh, everybody needs to to form to to who I am. You know what I mean? So. That was a that was a very good. I mean, I think I was there for twelve months on my first my first deployment. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, there's my counterparts and and people I've worked with over the last twenty years that have gone. I mean, they've they've spent most of their adult life deployed. And uh, I've I've done I've done a few deployments, but nothing compared to to some of the counterparts I've worked with. So I'm um, I'm thankful in, in that uh, aspect. Yeah, Nick. Tell us a little bit about uh, the other side of your life. We know that you're an entrepreneur as well. So tell us some of the businesses that you've started, some of your aspirations moving forward. Yeah, I, I guess um, uh, I, I, well, I'll preface it with this. I, I do not have a business background. I actually got my master's in, in public service and administration at A&M. Um, so I guess going, going, seeing the public side really made me say, okay, I don't want to go that route. Like I want to stay uh, more in the private sector and and develop my own path and, and maybe one day be my own my own boss um, and so I I took some of those skills that I've learned over the, over the few years as a as a green beret and and said well I, if I can do it there I can I can do it in other aspects and for me it's just been if you can if you like solving problems you can get into business right you know you're gonna you're gonna learn the hard way in a lot of areas just because I don't have a lot of the um, the embedded education, the, that higher education for, for the business. But, um, I'm, I've got a fixed goal, so I'm a, I'm a hard learner. I've always been that way, but I think the theme that you'll, you'll find is that I don't really have a theme behind what I like. Uh, it's more of a problem. So I, my, my very first business that I started with my dad was a, a concrete, uh, a ready mix business in New Mexico. So we've been, we've been hitting that pretty hard. It's been, it, we've, we've been very fortunate to have a, a very successful business even during COVID. But, um, you asked me, what do I know about concrete? Um, really nothing. 
Uh, my, my dad, my dad <laughs> knows all that stuff, but he came to me and said, Hey, I got this idea. And I kind of, I stewed over it for a little bit. And, and I, you know, once, once he came to me, I started noticing a lot of concrete trucks on the road and I would never notice them before. And I noticed, you know, how many I saw day to day. And so I saw opportunity there. That's, that's really, really what, what sparked my interest in it. So I came to him and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's start planning it out. And that's, that's essentially what I've been my entire career has been a planner. That's I'm an operations officer. Um, uh, and I'm a planner. I, I, I take, you know, every element of a plan and I, and, and the, the idea is you meld it all together, you know? So we, we did that and we, we launched or we, we put a, a huge concrete batch plan on about 60 acres in the desert of New Mexico. And now we run our trucks out of there, um, every, every day. And then fast forward from there, um, I got a, a side project right now where I'm launching a food truck in just north of Austin, kind of the, you know, the, the home of, of, of food trucks. Yeah. What kind um, of food? So that's been, it's, it's actually uh, gourmet style, uh, deli style sandwiches. Uh, nice. And uh, it's, it's called South by Sandwich. <laughs> Cute. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're launching that um, in the next, next few months. Uh, I got my, my partner is going to kind of run it and everything. I'm just uh, I'm just there, I guess, as an investor and, and, and a decision maker here and there. But I think we're going to do pretty well in that. Um, and then my my bread and butter, my my pride and joy right now is this venture that I've gotten into with uh, with my best friend. And um, and it's and, and it's again nothing that I've ever thought I would get into. But it's it's a, a mental wellness supplement brand um, geared towards what we call the the digital native which is, you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are constantly staring at screens, um, whether it's your phone or computer screen, and it ranges anywhere from an engineer to a crypto trader to a day trader to really what our, our go-to-market focus is, is uh, gamers and, and esports athletes. Um, and what we see is that there's a, there's a, a huge opportunity where it's an untouched area because nobody really you know, thinks of, of gamers or esports athletes as needing supplementation, right? Um, but I think that's what we're kind of going to try to chip away that stigma that it's not just your your marathon runners, your your weightlifters, your CrossFitters that need that need supplements or or can or can benefit from taking mental wellness into account. And and that's kind of what what our brand does is it's a holistic view of what you know. If we were to say what could what is either damaging to someone's mental health or what is enhancing to someone's mental health. And it, and it, and it usually circulates around three things, uh, your sleep, stress, um, and, and your, your, your cognitive ability to perform. And if all those things are lined up, you're, you can ultimately uh, perform to your potential or, or beyond your potential. So that's, that, that's kind of been that for, you know, I've been working on that with with our, our very talented team for I'd say almost a year. It'll be going into a year now, and and hopefully we're launching in in twenty two with this brand. Nick, your entrepreneurial background is really impressive. I really appreciate your ability to move from one industry to the next one, and that's that's not easy to do. And most people, <laughs> I would imagine wouldn't want to take that type of risk, you know, for, ex for example, I don't mean to generalize here, but most people would 
typically take the path of least resistance, meaning that, hey, I've studied finance in, in school, so I'm going to go out there and get a finance job. And maybe in the future, I might look into being an accountant or a CPA. So they're all closely related. So you've moved from the military to the cement business to the food business and now into this area of nootropics. What lessons from the military has given you the confidence to do that? And, and more, more importantly, what are three attributes that you want to point to that can help anyone in a, in a similar position build that confidence to jump from industry to industry? And that's a loaded question there. So take your time for that. <laughs> no, no, Steve. I think that's a, it's actually an, an excellent question. Um, and I, I mean, I could speak. I, I'd, I'd say in my experience, I, I know so many peers and friends and, and, and colleagues coming out of the military that that have started businesses. And I, it kind of had me thinking, it's like, is there are these these traits that we in, inherently have that have allowed them to, to do this? And, and moreover, um, special operations folks that come out and, and are entrepreneurs that are extremely successful too. And, and a lot of them don't even go and get their MBAs. So I kind of thought, okay, well, that's, there, there's something there. Um, and I think it's, it's been, it's been this, these characteristics that you find. And again, I'll, I'll go back to just talking about special operations folks. Um, it's these traits and, and characteristics that you find uh, in probably 90% of, of the community that I serve in. And that's, you know, one, it's, 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 there's no fear of failing. You, you understand that you're going to try something bigger than yourself and, and one failure is not an option. So you're going to start it and you're going to finish it. Um, is it going to be hard? Yeah, probably. But um, I mean, that, and that's kind of where, where everyone, uh, where, where, where soft kind of starts off with in the military is like, you know what, I'm doing this, this job right now, but these guys over here look like it's, it's really hard to be. Let me, let me go try um, so I think it's, I think that's, that's number one is, is the fear of failure just isn't existent. Um, next, I think in a sense we're I want to say we're analytical, but not like, not numbers analytical, like, like the private side is. I, I, I learned that going to Amazon thinking, oh, we do a lot of analysis. We do a lot of planning. And I, I was quickly humbled once I, once I got over to Amazon <laughs> a few years ago that I didn't know how much we use numbers there just to make decisions. Uh, but I, I think we're analytical in, in environmental sense. Like there's, there's so many, there's so many aspects to an environment. There's, there's, you know, there's the human, there's the human environment, there's the physical environment, there's the cyber, there's, there's so many different environments that, that we take into an account on like, a, let's just say like an emission or an operation and the ability to kind of see it from a big, um, from big to small has been at least been beneficial for me to, to, to help start businesses um, and figure out what those requirements. And then the third I'd say is just being, um, is, is being a leader or being a person that, that people want to work with or want to listen to and not listen to in, in, in meaning like, Hey, I got orders to give you. But when, when you talk, people are, are naturally drawn to what you're saying. And in most cases, there's, there's leaders out there that are developed in leaders and they're not even trying to be just people are, are following them like Forrest Gump going running and he turns around and there's just a bunch of people behind him that he didn't even, <laughs> you know, that, that wasn't his purpose, but you've, you've got people that are, that are just natural leaders in that sense. And I think, I think that's kind of what we, what we bring out of the military and specific, specifically special operations 
is we're able to kind of meld all that that together and and, and put it towards something that's completely different from the military. You're now looking at, you know, it could be private or nonprofit. And, uh, and, but, but again, doesn't mean we know everything. Absolutely. That's, that's the exact opposite. And I think we're it, actually, here, here you go, Steve, I'll give you a fourth one. And it's that the, the eagerness to continue to learn. Love that. I think that, I think that one is extremely important. And I think that's what keeps, um, military slash, you know, special operations folks keep, keep going is, is that eagerness to learn. That's awesome, Nick. Um, I mean, now knowing everything, you know, having, you know, gone through so many challenges um, and experiences in the military, um, you know, you, you mentioned the elephant in the room earlier. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on now? Um, you know, is there, is there <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel here, in your opinion? Uh, well, Natalie, I, I don't want to be rude on this topic, but it's more of this would take hours and days. And not only that, um, it's we're in the middle of it, right? Yeah. So we really don't know what that light looks like if we've even turned on that flashlight yet. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what I will say, and these are, I'll kind of keep it very, very broad because again, there's, there's, there's a lot of what's going on right now is second and third order effects of something bigger. Right. And, uh, for me and, and most of the people I've, I've worked with and I won't speak for them, but I, I, you know, from being in conversations, we we've known we're leaving Afghanistan for a very long time. Um, it, it, it was just going to have to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the major issue here. I think it's how it was done and all of the reverberating effects it's it's had based on how we did it. And so all the issues that were that are that we're running into right now stem from how we did it, not that we did it. So that that's that'll be kind of my 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 broad two cents on it. Um, and it, and for me as a planner, as an operations officer in, in the United States military, it's 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 kind of disheartening to see us almost not do anything that we're supposed to be doing in terms of executing a time-phased um, approach to a huge level operation that that should have been. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, yeah. That, I guess that's my take on it right now. And, and a lot sharing. of it is still yeah. unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still unfolding it. I mean, it happened over the last week and, um, and those, those second and third order effects are, are, are still yet to be seen. So. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Nick. I mean, this has really been so um, inspiring and just um, just fascinating to just hear your trajectory. And like, I mean, I, like, I'm like a total history nerd and like, you know, I studied politics in college and I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm sure like we could go down different rabbit holes and like, we didn't dig too much in on like knowing whether or not you could talk about different regions, but, um, but okay. you just, you sound so like, you know, like focused and, and you have such a good perspective on it. And, you know, I, I just having you come on our show is just, I can't wait for people to hear this, this episode and just, yeah, like hear your experience and then just see how you've been able to translate that into like, I, I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm a little bit speechless. I'm just so grateful <laughs> you came on the show. No, Jess, the, the, the pleasure's all mine. Again, this is one, it's a, I mean, it, it's, it's just a, a very good experience for me to, to be able to talk to you guys. And then, I mean, um, 
and then also it's just a great thing to break up my Monday, right? Like it's not a normal Monday. I get to do a podcast and not, not everybody <laughs> gets to do that. And, uh, and right. I, 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 and in the, in the special forces, uh, community, anytime you say you you've done something for the first time, you owe a, a case of beer. So I will tell you, this has been my first podcast. So thank you guys very much <laughs> oh, for that. Yay. And, and uh, I will buy the case of beer. I hope you share with us, um, your food truck. Um, when that, when that's launching, so we can kind of spread the word on that. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know, oh, and your other company as well, you know, like let us know, share links, we'll share links with our audience. No, we, I definitely, definitely appreciate that. I think we're going to come out strong with this. I, it's a much different strategy than I've ever thought I'd be behind and what it's grown into has been something just so impressive. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm working with three other brilliant minds so it's 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 a very very exciting project to be on. So I, I will absolutely make sure that your team is is well aware of of what we're doing in, in our endeavors. Nick, thank you so much, and I, I support Natalie and Jess in saying that this has been an awesome conversation. I've learned a lot personally. I know for a fact our audience is going to love the context and the content as well. So signing out on the behalf of Natalie, Jess, and Nick, this is Stephen Kwong, Unlikely Journey. Have a great day, everyone. In the meantime, peace.